Hello, hello, everyone. This is your host, Akhil Jabbar, and welcome back to another episode of School of Startups. We'll be talking about how to hire professionals effectively online and not get burned. Today, we have our guest, Liz Pierce, joining us. Liz is the CEO and co-founder of a Seattle-based Fresh Chalk, where they aim to build a faster and more efficient way to find highly vetted professionals, everything from doctors to plumbers to landscapers to photographers, all online. Uh, the site allows users to create profiles and search through service providers to see which has been which have been recommended by their friends. They can also offer their own recommendations across more than 500 different categories. Fresh Chalk is taking on the giants of Facebook, Google, and Yelp, uh, and many other giant platforms. So a big, uh, big challenge there. Uh, Liz holds a BA and MA from the George Washington University. Prior to starting Fresh Chalk, Liz was with uh, Liquid Planner for 11 years where she started as the company's marketing contractor, worked up her way up to the COO in 2011, and ultimately to CEO role in 2012, which we'll talk about today as well. And before Liquid Planner, she held marketing roles at Amazon, Google, and PlayStation, and also ran an independent marketing consulting business. So hopefully that was accurate, Liz, and uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, you got it. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. No worries. So, um, for, for our audience who don't know too much about you, can you tell us a bit, little bit about your background of working at companies such as Google, Amazon, Sony, and maybe share any valuable lessons you, you took from there and that you apply today in your business? Sure. Um, so I, I went to school back east, but as soon as I graduated, I moved across the country to Silicon Valley and with armed with my telecom degree, <laughs> which was, I, I will say, not that useful in the tech world. Um, I found myself in a role at Sony PlayStation. Um, I actually started as a temp there, working as an EA for the head of PlayStation's legal, and I finagled my way into an interview um, in the marketing department. And so I ended up working in promotions at PlayStation. And everything I did was really around, I, I supported two executives who were in charge of partnerships, different types of partnerships. So it was interesting to see how a brand kind of found alignment with uh, other brands in completely different spaces. So we did retail promotions, we did on-pack promotions in the food industry, we did radio buys. So I really learned a lot about partnerships in that role. I then went to Google. Google was tiny, 500 people, I think, when I joined. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, like everyone knew each other's names, and I don't know that that's the case anymore at Google. But, yeah. um, and I was in charge of making sure all of the marketing projects, you know, crossed the line successfully. Mm -hmm. And it turned out that at any given time, there were about 200 marketing projects going on at Google, wow. even with that many people. So I think that experience, although I wasn't there very long, really honed my execution skills. I mean, there was <clears throat> no choice but to be super organized, super efficient with your time and communicate well to all of the different stakeholders mm -hmm. and people involved. And so that was my big lesson from Google. Um, we, I then moved to Seattle and took a role at Amazon. Mm. I ended up having a couple of roles there. And I think that the, the thing I learned there was to follow your instincts, but back up those instincts with data. Mm. So as I think everyone knows by now, Amazon is a super data-driven company. And I think um, you really have to feel comfortable with numbers, understanding how to use them, how to find them, how to make sense of them and how to make decisions based off of them. Mm -hmm. And that is something that I 
when I went off on my own and when I started working at Liquid Planner that I think carried through and how I think about trying to grow a business. Makes sense. So from there, uh, after Amazon, you went over and worked at Liquid Planner. So you were there for about 10 years. I think uh, you started for the working as the VP of sales and marketing. Then you got promoted to the CEO, CEO role at some point. Um, was there any certain moments that you remember or uh, key maybe metrics or results that you remember that helped you or you know, prove yourself of uh, working your way through up to that position? Well, uh, so it actually goes back a little further. So mm. Liquid Planner was a consulting client of mine okay. in the beginning. So I was just a contractor helping out with marketing. And then I came on my first role. Was there were too many roles to put all on my LinkedIn, but director of marketing was my first role. And then um, up from there, and I think maybe other people in kind of non-technical functions also experience this where in the early stages of a startup, there's usually a lot of technical talent on the team. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't build a product without engineers, product people. And so, you know, most of the resources are going to, you know, those people on the team. And so it leaves very few people to take care of the non-coding stuff. Mm -hmm. And at Liquid Planner, that person was me. And if you are hungry enough, then you can use that opportunity to just keep grabbing more and more responsibility and just trying to solve problems because you know, you're scrambling to build product as fast as possible. And in the meantime, figuring out whether people are using it successfully, what, how to talk about it in marketing, how to sell it and who to sell it to. And so just the nature of kind of the team, how the team was built, left a lot of room for learning, learning new functions. So I had never worked outside of marketing before doing Liquid Planner, but then I found myself doing sales, doing customer support, mm -hmm. running operations, and um, someone was going to do it. So <laughs> I guess I figured it might as well be me. What, was there uh, like, but it was a lot of... Sorry, was there like an open position at the time for the CEO, or was it just kind of a natural progression that like, hey, Liz, you seem to be, you can do a better job here than, than what's going on, and we need your help? No, I mean, the, the founding CEO is really the product pro, product visionary, and that was his area of passion, and he wanted to focus solely on the product. Mm -hmm. um, he's back at the company now, running product there. Um, and, you know, I think it just kind of made sense. I enjoy being externally focused and talking to press and talking to investors and kind of being the face of the company is something that, you know, felt like a good fit for my personality and my talents. And so... Um, we made that switch, but yeah, it was, it was a fun ride. We were, I was there for 11 years and, um, you know, that's a lot of time thinking about project management. So it was also exciting to kind of open a new chapter and think about some new types of problems. Nice. And now you decide to venture your own and, and build fresh chalk. Um, just before we get into more details there, I want to just hear a little bit. So you talked about Google where you kind of built up your management skills or perfectionism and uh, staying focused, staying organized, uh, you know, and then all by the perfection, the perfectionism goes much further back. Oh, does it go back? Okay. So it's just naturally <laughs> who you are. Okay. Um, can you share any, you know, habits or routines that you found to be working for you to keep, you know, stay on track, stay focused, but, but also, you know, keeping your eye on the vision of the company and make sure you keep executing uh, to keep moving things forward. Yeah, I think um, I've had a lot of time, <laughs> many years at all these companies to work on those things. Mm. Um, and you can almost think of it as like just the very near term, the midterm and the long term horizon. And I kind of have a different system for managing each of those kind of lines of thought. Mm -hmm. um, on the the near term, that's the easiest to talk about, and um, you know the one where you see like 
the to-do list every day, rewritten, starting over, making sure my priorities are there for the day. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm very kind of list driven when it comes to the tactical, mm -hmm. the tactical stuff, which when you're the CEO of a small startup, you do lots of tactical stuff yeah. in addition to the strategic stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and we use, you know, we use collaborative tools to manage across the team, all of our ongoing work. Um, spreadsheets like Google Sheets right now mm -hmm. is, is how we all stay connected and, and it works for our side team. Mm -hmm. um, on the midterm stuff, I, I have this little, <laughs> this framework that I give myself around keeping the fires burning. Mm. I think there are a lot of areas of investment as a CEO that are important to pay attention to, but you can't give all of your attention to it. You can't kind of go too far down the path of, you know, trying to secure PR, for instance, or working with investors, but there are things that you need to constantly be doing. Exactly. And so every week I try to do, and I'm, I'm having to look at my, uh, look at my sheet here, but um, every week I try to do something related to business development, trying to, either learn about or make contact with another company in our space for partnerships and um, you know any kind of opportunities in the future to, to work with them. Um, every week I try to do something around recruiting, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. reaching out to a candidate that we might want to hire in the future or trying to, you know, look at my network and see who's, you know, who's looking for an opportunity. Um, something always related to our future customers, our the businesses on our platform, and then something with investors, something with PR, and then something with team culture, and then something with giving back. There's a lot of things, cool. um, but they're all you know. If you do a little bit all the time, you never take your eye off the ball. Um, exactly. So that's the kind of midterm horizon, and then the the long term strategy stuff is. I feel like it's my background music. It's like always spinning in the back of my head. Mm. Like I never I never stop thinking about like the big picture strategy stuff. That's like what I'm thinking about in the shower when I'm running, like, you know, all my spare brain cycles, I think, yeah. for good or bad, yeah. go to that type, that topic. Got it. I want to ask two follow-up questions on both the short-term and medium-term, because I think these are important task, uh, topics. So, for example, that list you showed me, do you have a minimum or yeah. a maximum amount of, of tasks you, you like to set per day? And then do you keep working until you, you check them all off, or what's kind of your system around there? Or you don't have one? <laughs> I try to be, I don't have a specific number okay. that I hold myself to. Um, I try not to lose anything. Mm -hmm. I try, you know, I don't want to, I, I want to make sure I don't let anything fall through the cracks. Mm -hmm. So I err more on the side of having more items and I will let myself stop when I feel like I've done enough. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I try to set the bar high. I try to do a lot in every single day. Nice. And um, having a big list helps with that. <laughs> of course, yeah. The more work, the better. Yeah. And then on the medium term, um, are you, uh, scheduling your days based on certain themes. So I know that's something we do. Uh, for example, like we do podcasts Tuesdays and Thursdays. So those are days we do recording, we batch all you know podcasts, videos, anything with with creative side. And then you know Mondays might be like hiring, recruiting. Do you do something similar to that for for kind of the list that you had? Um, I don't for for that list. There's aren't there aren't enough days in the week to dedicate to one <laughs> each. Unfortunately, um, I have done that in my personal life for managing um, my life outside of work. Mm -hmm which is also complicated. Yeah. Um, so I'll do like, you know, I'm like thinking about my kids on Monday, I'm taking care of like my finances and my health on Tuesday. Like I, I have done that for my personal life, but not for not for work yet, okay. but it might, it, the model might translate. Yeah, I mean, as long as it works for you, right? Everybody has their own, their own model. Um, yeah. So kind of segueing into fresh chalk. So we've all been 
uh, burned, I think, at some point in our in our lives with you know, trying to hire contractors for for your house or whatever it is, a plumber. Um, can you share what has led you to develop the idea and deciding to build Fresh Chalk in 2019? What was the idea there? Yeah. yeah. So uh, I can't take credit for the idea. Okay. That credit goes to one of my co-founders, Adam, who, um, along with another co-founder, Nathan, had their company Dwellable acquired by HomeAway um, a few years back. Mm-hmm. So a bunch of people from Seattle picked up and moved to Austin mm-hmm. to be part of HomeAway. And you know, Adam had three kids, like pets, like all of the trappings of life and going to set up in a new city, especially one in a different climate where you know, suddenly he had a pool in his house. He had to go find all of these different people to support the new house and, you know, doctors and who, who do you call? Who do you, you know, when you, when you need to support the entire family. Mm-hmm. And so he is what we call internally a maximizer. Have you heard of maximizer versus satisficer? No, explain please. Okay. Mm-hmm. We talk, this is this is very relevant to Fresh Shop. So um, a maximizer is someone who's almost compelled to research every decision we make. Like if you're gonna go hire a roofer, mm-hmm. you're gonna go like look at 10 roofers, you're gonna get bids from five, you're gonna have follow-up conversations with you know two or three of them, and ultimately you're gonna make your decision once you feel like you've really done the research. Adam is that guy. And so for each thing, he went through this vetting process and found like the best plumber, electrician, house painter, and so on. Um, And the world, there's not that many maximizers in the world. There are a lot of satisficers like me who just, I just need to know somebody who's done the work. And then that's how I can make a decision and feel good about it. Um, And so we really built fresh, and by the way, all the other people who moved to Austin wanted Adam's list. Okay, makes sense. And he was like sending out the spreadsheet and that was kind of the idea for Fresh Talk. you know, we're, we're trying to form those bridges between the people in your life that are maximizers like Adam and the people um, who will be eternally grateful like me for you making that decision process easier. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah, I'm definitely a satisfier. I'm actually just doing renovations for my house. Um, we got a little trashed up from the last tenants, but um, yeah, it was just like, you know, I, I know my parents used him. They did their basement. He did a good job. They were happy with it. I was like, perfect. You know, just give me a quote and let's move yeah. forward. I, I didn't even bother maximizing i'm sure i could but don't have the time the bandwidth for that right nope. yeah no and and i think true maximizers enjoy the process it's like true. kind of fun for them yeah. um not for me yeah i mean i just want to make the decision as quickly as possible yeah exactly so you guys decided to yeah. take on external capital right instead of building as a bootstrap i believe you guys took on around uh two million dollars in vc funding um yeah. can you talk about a little bit what the decision making framework was at the time because i believe you guys are four co-founders at the and the company yeah and what was the the reason yeah um so you know our our main person that we need to make happy right now is that's our user our, our fresh talk community member mm-hmm. someone who comes to the site to find a pro um and we really think it's important for the long-term health of the business to build that experience for the, the human being first versus the the paying customer mm-hmm. um so we're not monetizing the business for the foreseeable future we're just focused on building a great user experience really? okay. um and yeah i mean we need to get people to the site getting value from the site talking about the site yeah. before a business is going to want to you know pay to be a part of it yeah. um in any way so i think a lot of companies in, in similar spaces take a similar path um we do 
you know, want to be capital efficient. And so we are, um, a lot of seed rounds are much bigger these days and we're trying to, you know, make sure that we are taking on the amount of risk that we feel like is fair to our investors and, and to the team. Um, we think we can do a lot with this amount of money and the horizon that we're giving ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's a process. So, yeah, that makes sense. Unless you can, you can, uh, yeah. Uh, finance it yourself, right? If you're not charging your customers or using revenue to finance it, I guess that's the best way to to attract users. Um, was that a seed round that you guys uh, raised? That was a seed round. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I like to kind of about the challenges because I know there has been quite a few other similar business models like Fresh Chalk, but I know some that have failed. I know some have hit a plateau, but I also know they they have different differences um, of why they haven't you know scaled or some maybe have exited to some of the bigger guys like like I think it's called Homeaway. Um, so how do you guys do things different or better and have thought through those risks, um, to, 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 to overcome those challenges? Yeah, there definitely have been people who have gone before us and tried to bridge the gap between, um, you know, people that, you know, and the pros that they've used. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, I think that we're really putting friends, friends first is kind of our North star. Everything is friends first. And so we're putting... Um, that experience at the heart of how you use and get value from fresh chalk. That being said, um, we also know that anyone who comes to the site has to be able to get some utility from it. They have to be able to get some value from the site. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we did was, um, you know, we aggregated a bunch of data. So right now on the site, we have about over a million business listings across 13 markets. Wow. And those businesses are you know, very complete and usable today. It's a very clean, pleasant browsing experience. We have, we pull in data from other sites mm-hmm. so we know how these businesses drank. Mm-hmm. So that's, some, you know, some validation of, of how the internet at large thinks of these businesses. So we aggregate that into an overall score. Um, so it's really easy to come to Fresh Talk and find a business, even if you don't know anyone. Mm-hmm. But as you start accumulating friends on Fresh Talk or people that you know, or at least have a relationship with where you could maybe ask a follow-up question. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, your when you do a search, the results you get back are, um, you know, the, the, the thing at the top, the thing that we're trying to get you to pay attention to is your friends' recommendations. And they're set apart from, you know, the rest of the internet. Yeah. And I think that's part of the challenge when you go to Google or you go to Yelp and you do a search. Like, there's no way you're going to know anyone. And there, there's, you know, they're all just strangers right. who are leaving reviews and you can't make any kind of judgment about the review itself if you don't know the reviewer. And so right. at Fresh Talk, that is, that's the connection point. Mm-hmm. Um, when you read a recommendation from someone, you know, you can instantly apply your own filter to whether or not you trust it. Maybe you don't all the time, but you know that person so you can make the call. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for many, many people, just having a friend recommendation, is enough to make a decision. 100%. Yeah, I'd love to see that on Amazon as well. Because I mean, I look at, I think, obviously reviews as well. I don't know if you guys have that or somebody's out there building it, but seeing my friends review it, I think that'd be pretty cool. That's smart. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I I, I have to say that I am in the fortunate position of kind of seeing this before everyone else sees it. So I have about 600 friends on Fresh Talk, less than I have on LinkedIn or Twitter or Facebook. So still building, mm-hmm. but I have 4,600 recommendations from my friends in hundreds of categories. So basically anything that I need, mm. I have a friend recommendation for. If I wanted to go get a tattoo, 
I have like 20 friend recommendations and I can see which one is closest to me and you know, other information. So I'm living the fresh talk dream and I just, you know, we need to give that to everyone else. Right. And you can actually just call your friend and be like, Hey, can you send me a picture of your tattoo to make sure it looked actually good? Right. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Or I saw it last week. <laughs> there you go. You went for coffee or whatever. Um, exactly. Are you guys monetizing? So I don't think. Are you monetizing Fresh Chalk at all, even with contractors or no? No. Join Fresh Chalk now because it's a completely ad free experience. No one's paying for anything. Um, <laughs> it's like that little, like, perfect time at the beginning where we're just trying to build a great site. So, nice. um, yeah, there are no ads and everything, all the content is coming from users. All from users. Okay. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the marketing piece because I know that's your expertise and you know uh, a lot of our audience are either marketers or, or founders in, in SaaS. Um, what has worked well for you guys so far to acquire users to use FreshTruck? Maybe say the contractor list uh, to use their service or is it, or would you say it's the, the users? Which one's more challenging? Or? Um, well, a lot has changed since COVID hit. Mm. I will say it's definitely more challenging on both sides. Since then, mm -hmm. everyone's suffering. Yeah, um, we're focused more on users, and um, you know, for a while last year, we were doing like, you know, everyone in my everyone that I know is going to be on Fresh Talk by one way or another. I'm going to sit down with you and actually like walk you through it if I have to. And so that's how we built, you know, the very the very first core of Fresh Talk users. Mm -hmm. um, and because we're not monetizing anything, we're also not spending money on advertising. So we're really working to get the viral loop going, mm -hmm. to give people a reason to invite, to make it clear why it's better to have more friends. So trying to build from the inside out. And I think that's, you know, it's it's a challenging, um, maybe a slower initial way to build because I think the pressure from, the pressure from the market is to just spend money to pour people into the top of the funnel. That's right. And we all know in our hearts that if those people don't stick and register and become involved and get value from it, it was a waste of money in the first place. Right. So we're not taking that shortcut. We're really insisting to ourselves that the growth come from the user base. Um, and that's been working well. And, you know, it does also come from pros. I think um, the business owners themselves are oftentimes the best source of recommendations. So we have business owners coming on as users. Mm -hmm and sharing their list with their community, which is a really fun kind of way to, to get great content and add a lot of value. So for instance, um, we have an interior designer on the platform who, because of the nature of her work, she knows the painter, she knows the cabinet people, she knows the closet people, she knows the window treatment people, she has everybody. And so her list is solid gold. I mean, she has like 50 recommendations mm -hmm. um, and her past clients, her future clients can see her list as, you know, proof that she has a lot of expertise and can make the process of making your home better, even more efficient. So that's been, I think, something that's worked well on the platform. Got it. And during, I guess, COVID or even pre-COVID, um, are you seeing any what some really popular contractors that are being used at this moment or services uh, that, that are being hired? There's definitely um, been a change in the mix. Mm. So pre-COVID, there were a lot of um, people talking about beauty, wellness, fitness, mm -hmm. um, as well as home services and, and other categories. Um, sadly, those categories that I mentioned are really not, nothing's happening with them right now. Mm. I mean, I think that 
gyms are really suffering. You know, they can't be open. Mm -hmm. People are very hesitant to, you know, go get any kind of service in another place. Mm -hmm. um, that said, home services are doing quite well. Everyone's in their homes now and trying to figure out how to make it work for them and what's probably going to be the long term. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, even more so, outside projects. So people are getting the decks built, they're putting fences up, they are getting their landscaping done, they're getting their trees trimmed. So anything that's happening outside of the home is um, in high demand right now. Got it. Yeah, it makes sense to me. Yeah, people have a lot of time, they're doing yeah. renovations and whatnot. Um, so many, yeah. many of us, including myself, whether you're hiring local professionals or even freelancers online, um, you know, we talked about have been burned on the reality of what they expect versus what actually you know comes to, to fruit. Um, let's talk a little bit about hiring here. Uh, first, how do you vet the contractors to join Fresh Chalk? Uh, because if people are just saying, hey, I recommend these 10 people, is there a way that you guys uh, filter them yourself? So um, our data is um, aggregated and the businesses exist on the platform even before you as a user come to add okay. your trusted businesses. So if you search for a business, it's most likely gonna show up. Um, we're trying to get as many businesses as possible that we can find and put in the right category and, and give basic information about. So we're, we're, you know, opting for having more businesses on the platform and then their ranking is what, um, we're providing to help you discern the top businesses from the, you know, maybe the, the less trustworthy businesses. And that's a score based on, um, how well they're doing on Fresh Talk, whether they have recommendations on our platform and from who. So people who are more trustworthy on the platform, their recommendations count for more. Mm. Um, and then we're also looking at their Better Business Bureau score, their Angelus rating, their Yelp score. So we're aggregating all of this data into an overall score. And um, that I would say that that's good for guidance. Um, depending on the nature of the project, you want to do more or less research. Um, and then if you have a friend recommendation, you are like in that privileged position of having a friend recommendation, um, you know, a lot of times people will just take that friend at their word, um, depending on how good of a friend they are. But yeah, I think that we're seeing for projects like installing solar in your home or doing a full renovation, mm -hmm. like you may want four or five friend recommendations or top ranked businesses, and your ultimate decision is going to come down to a combination of price, availability, trust and communication Got it. are the four factors that we, I think, probably make the decision for people. So you let everybody in. It's open door. But at the end of the day, the people will decide who are the, the top ones and vet them and kind of uh, quality control. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and our, you know, again, our whole thesis is that um, because your judgment of how well a pro performs is kind of subjective, mm -hmm. like, what I may be satisfied with, you might not be satisfied with. True. Being able to make a call based on what you know of the person who used the service before you mm -hmm. um, is really what sets fresh apart. Got it. Makes sense. I, I want to speak a little bit about uh, specifically your hiring process because you've been through a lot of management uh, experience. We had I've spoken to the CEO of, or the former CEO of uh, Upworks on a, on a previous uh, podcast episode, and he he had a really good insight. But I'd love to hear. Um, what is your hiring process? Because I think that's important for a lot of our audience who are always hiring and trying to refine that process. Uh, are you asking what I hire for? What traits do I hire what, for? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I was thinking about that. And I think um, at a startup, 
one of the things that I have seen makes people most successful in an early stage startup is um, if they are willing to challenge assumptions. Mm. So I think as I'm interviewing, I'm looking to see if they take everything as a, a, that I say at face value, or if they have the confidence and kind of perspective to be like, well, I haven't had that experience, or I've also heard that. So I really want to hire people who force us to look at things in a different way. Um, so that's part of it. And then the other key trait for me is intellectual curiosity and how willing people are to um, ask questions, even if it makes them look like they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, and to have like a genuine enthusiasm about learning new things, because I, I don't know what I'm going to throw at you next week. Like I, I've written this job description down here, but it could very well turn into something entirely different. That's right. And that's just the name of the game. So you want adaptability and someone who like, whatever it is, I'm game, I'm jumping in. They'll figure it out. Um, do you have a certain question or questions you, you like to ask to, to figure those out? If not, that's okay, we can skip that. Um, I, I do have a question and I actually borrowed this from um, a former investor. Um, and it goes back to kind of trying to really understand someone's true character and what made them who they are. Mm -hmm. Um, and the question is two part. One is, um, what did you have going for you growing up mm. and how did you use that to your advantage? And in what way was the deck stacked against you? Was, and how did you, how was the deck stacked against deck you? Stacked. What was your, you know, what, what, what was to your disadvantage mm -hmm. and how did you use that situation? So I think it's, it's a, a great way to kind of, usually people will tell you a story about themselves. Mm. through that question and you can start to see what shaped them and, and how they will approach challenges and opportunities in the future. Those are very powerful questions. I, I love it. I'm going to take a note, note of that and maybe try it out on my next interview. We'll see how it okay, goes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've learned so many interesting things about people through that question. Yeah. Eh? I never thought yeah. that makes perfect sense. Um, is, yeah. is there any other steps you suggest to you know, founders or leaders to improve, improve their chances of hiring higher quality contractors, freelancers, um, you know, team members, other than, you know, the questions, the interview, and then also the personality. Is there anything else you can do to kind of filter them? And oh, there's, this is such a, there's so many layers to this question. Yeah. Um, I think one thing that's top of mind mm -hmm. right now, sure. and I think it's something that we as leaders need to be all having a dialogue about is how we go outside of our own social circles and networks in hiring. Mm -hmm. There's a good reason why it, it, I mean, it goes right to the business. Like you hire that you hire through people that, you know, in many cases, mm -hmm. but when it comes to building your company, if you're only hiring through people that, you know, you're missing out on candidates who could bring diversity, you know, a different perspective, kind of what I was talking about, who will challenge your assumptions mm -hmm. that you've made and codified because you all have the same background and upbringing and point of view, yeah. like getting outside of that, I think is really critical. And um, I need to do a better job of that. I think we all do. And we need to bring, you know, underrepresented people into our businesses mm -hmm. at a higher rate so that we can, you know, build a better economy. Makes sense. I, I want to add to that. Maybe, uh, 
you know, feel free to, to pass on this if you like, but for co-founders, um, I guess the similar concept would apply as well, right? How did you guys know each other? How did you guys kind of meet? Um, and I understand. Uh, sorry about that. I just cut out there. Um, so I was just saying, yeah, you, so you have, uh, uh, you know, four co-founders. I understand that the challenge of, you know, trying to manage a company with four different decision makers. Um, did the same process apply for you guys or did you guys know each other uh, a while back before working together and, and deciding to build Fresh Chalk? I feel like we were just like ships passing in the night for our entire careers in Seattle. <laughs> they all three worked together for companies and we had never met prior to our first meeting about Fresh Chalk. Um, but we have tons of mutual friends and connections. So it's, you know, it's kind of bizarre that we hadn't met. Um, but yeah, I think we early on discovered that, you know, my skills are complementary to theirs. They're all engineers and mm. product folks and very good at what they do. And, um, you know, we've, we have a very happy coexistence right now. I hope it stays that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, That's cool that you guys actually had mutual friends, right? I'm sure yeah. that you guys vetted each other and, you know, had different recommendations and around that. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. Um, any, any, uh, recommended books you share with our audience, whether around, you know, leadership, hiring, building teams, anything that you or anything you're reading right now that you'd like to share? Oh gosh. There are so many. Um, that one I did not. I did not have uh, prepared. No, no worries. Uh, um, what do you What do you normally recommend I, to your friend or, or somebody in your team? So the books that I, I read, I'm reading. Um, I'm trying to read some more fiction right now because mm -hmm. I've been in like a, a business book and and other types of you know reading rut mm -hmm. for a while. Um, the books that I really kind of always go back to our books about um, more like a life philosophy. Mm -hmm. So things like um, wherever you go, there you are. Okay. Um, or the obstacle is the way are some of the ones that I, that I go back to and just books that help me frame my overall experience and stay um, in kind of a healthy mental state. Mm -hmm. So, you know, how can I stay positive? How can I stay um, energized? How can I, put the challenges that I experience into perspective um, and how can I, you know, move forward with the business and my personal life and my goals. And so those are, those are kind of, you know, my go-tos whenever I'm feeling less grounded or like, I'm going to freak out. Okay, I just need to get my head back on yeah. and stay in the game. Nice. Yeah. I like that book, The Obstacles of the Way by Ryan Holiday. I haven't read the, the other one um, that you mentioned, but we'll, we'll add that to the show notes and I'll, I'll check that out. Thank you for sharing. Okay, good. Um, what are you most excited about for the rest of 2020? We're halfway through. Um, and what cities are you guys planning to expand to next? I know you're in, in a couple cities now. But... I'm most excited about the presidential election. <laughs> That'd be interesting. Um, <laughs> I'm most hopeful. Yeah. Um, and probably the next city on our list is going to be Austin. Um, one of our co-founders lives there, and we have a lot of roots in Austin. Um, and that's probably our next market. Nice. Uh, so how can our audience get in touch with you or learn more about using Fresh Chalk? Yeah. So um, you can sign up on freshchalk.com. Um, it, it, it might be a little quiet outside of Seattle. If you're in Seattle, we would love to have you and have your recommendations and have you be part of the community. Um, but you can sign up and check it out from anywhere. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much, Liz. This was great. Highly appreciate it. Thank you all for joining us on today's episode. 
Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a comment on iTunes or Spotify. If you'd like to learn more about entrepreneurship, make sure to check out our School of Startups videos on YouTube as well. Until then, see you guys on the next episode.